0: Welcome to Alchemy Radio, the home of the open mind. We're back after quite a break and I'm looking forward to bringing new alchemy shows with regularity over the coming weeks and months. And if you'd like to get involved and donate, because it is your donations that keep us afloat, we're non-profit and intend to stay that way, ad-free, etc., etc., all you have to do is go to our website, alchemyradio.net, and donate via the donate button through PayPal, Patreon, all the usual bits and pieces there. Even the price of a cup of coffee would go a long, long way towards helping us. So then, onto the show. Alchemy. Alchemy. This week's guest is Andy Breen from Inner Mastery. So who are Inner Mastery? Well, they're formed by an interdisciplinary team of more than 200 health professionals, who together with therapists, facilitators, shamans and traditional doctors from the Amazon jungle have decided to bring the benefits of natural ancestral tools and plant medicine to the whole world, creating a system based on the psychotherapeutic integration of the use of entheogens, which are substances extracted from plants and animals that accelerate the processes of overcoming each participant in the retreats that they run. They have found many answers and solutions beyond therapy, and it's my great pleasure to welcome Andy to Alchemy for the first time. Andy, how are you?
1: Hey John, thanks for having me. Yeah, doing really good. Uh, super grateful and excited for you to invite me onto this. Thank you.
0: Well, super grateful and excited that you've agreed to come on. I think we're going to have a very enlightening and engaging discussion about a myriad of topics and subjects, many of which are close to my heart. But before we get into all that, Andy, there's a question that I ask every first time guest on the show. It can be as all encompassing as you like regarding your answer, but it is how did you get from where you were? to where you are now?
1: <laughs> uh, well, I mean, basically, uh, a touch of grace, like uh, a divine miracle. Um, I mean, I could go like a much, much deeper into this. It'll be... Oh,
0: you can go as deep as you like. There's, there's no problem. I'm sure it'll be fascinating.
1: Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> look, like for some reason... Five years ago, I just felt drawn to this work that we'll get more into <clears throat> about plant medicines like ayahuasca. And um, I call it a miracle because I was basically so closed in my life that I didn't realize that I was closed. Right. So, you know, it's not like I'd been doing yoga or meditation or was particularly spiritual or whatever you might associate with the kind of person that would be open to these kinds of experiences. No, I was very, very closed, very insular, um, very in my own world and really quite miserable as well, but without even realizing it. And for some reason, or perhaps precisely because of those things, uh, I was drawn to, to this experience. And I, when I found out that it was possible through this organization in a mastery to do a retreat in Europe, uh, that I wouldn't have to travel to South America, I jumped at the opportunity. And the last, uh, four, over four years has been a, an amazing and transformative process that's taken me from, you know, you could see it in many different ways, like from England to Ireland, which <laughs> is, uh, it's, I mean, I love it here in Ireland, but really on, on the deepest level has taken me from being close to life, to love, to myself, to at the least starting to open to it. Um, so, yeah, I'll, I'll leave it there for now.
0: And was there a specific event, Andy, that kind of brought you um, from being closed off to the idea to suddenly being open to it? I mean, was it was it somebody specific introduced you to the idea or was there an event? What happened there?
1: Yeah. So, I mean, uh, in general, in that period of my life, I was fascinated by Terence McKenna. Mm-hmm. Um but then specifically what happened that really confirmed the decision was a conference that, um, that the organization was doing in, uh, in Leeds, which was close to where I lived. And I just was like, okay, cool. I'll go to this. It seemed interesting. And yeah, the, the guy giving the conference, he got 10 minutes into his, uh, into his presentation and the decision was made inside me uh, that I was going to go to one of these. So I guess that would be the the event, if you could call it just one thing. But I was generally just like purely existing in that climate, you know, uh, just reading about and researching about and thinking about this process um, as much as you can without having the experience itself.
0: So would it be kind of fair to say that you you almost had a calling? And I know a lot of people listening will mm-hmm. think, oh, for God's sake, John, you talk about a calling when it comes to ayahuasca or whatever. But I do think that a lot of people who may have experienced plant medicine work uh, will know what, what that's kind of about. Did you experience that nearly prior to um, first engaging on that level?
2: Yeah,
1: yeah completely. Um it's interesting, like maybe the idea that someone has of what a calling is and what it actually is are quite different. Mm. But, um, I, I guess like, um, one way you could look at it is it's like life starts to support you to make it happen. And when I had like decided, okay, yeah, somehow I'm going to find a way of doing this. I don't know how to do ayahuasca again. I thought I was going to have to go to South America or what have you, um, when I'd sort of started to put those feelings out there, um, I was reading these kinds of comments. You know, it's like, oh, it will find you or it calls out to you. Yeah. And that sounded alien to me in that moment, even though it was something I wanted to do. And then all of a sudden, within a matter of weeks, this uh, this conference popped up uh, on, on Facebook, I think it was. And, you know, you can look at that as marketing or algorithms or however you want to see it. But at the deepest level, it's that something inside me was ready to listen to and be open to something new. Um, more so than like a little voice says in my head at night, I'll go and do ayahuasca. It's more just like the signs of life start taking you in that direction.
0: Yeah, I can relate to that. And I think once we start to observe the signs and then act on them, amazing things can happen. So mm-hmm. to get on to the amazing things that did happen for you, what was next then? You decided to take the plunge. Um, mm-hmm. tell, tell, tell us about your initial impressions of Inner Mastery or what what happened, where did you go and what what's the, the rest of the story, I guess?
1: Yeah. Um So, like I say, I went to this conference and I was... Yeah, he, he didn't even get like, you know, halfway through a, a video that he was showing of the house in Mordea in Spain, and the decision was already made, Um because there was something much, much deeper happening than any of the information he was giving as such. It was more like a, a feeling or an intuition that I couldn't even put my finger on at the time. So... Yeah, I went to this conference, was, I got home that night and the next thing I did the next morning was order a new passport because I was going to travel to Spain and then I, it was just a case of me finishing off that year of university, so a couple of months and then I headed over to to Marbella and as it turns out, I picked a really good retreat to go to uh, because it was just the start of summer and we had like, um, I think it was around like 16 or 17 people, something like this. Um, and you know, this, um, this venture out to Spain, it was the first time I'd ever been abroad, um, by myself. Like the last time I went was a family holiday many, many years ago.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And so it was my first experience of like, you know, stepping outside the nest, Um, but also going to do ayahuasca. And yeah, the house in Mabea, wow, was just beautiful, like this villa on the Casa del Sol. And obviously this was my first experience with anything like this, so I had nothing to really compare it against, but I just felt, like, comfortable, you know? I felt like, I could really start to connect with something that I didn't even know what it was that I was connecting to. Mm. And the group had such a good bond, you know, um, which generally happens at all of the retreats, but some retreats you can see it, it goes a little bit deeper. Like there's something about that group of people in that moment that somehow they're going through something in, in a deeper way. And that it's, it's deeply significant that it's those people. Um, and yeah, I, at my first retreat, I did, uh, you know, three nights, um, which means ayahuasca each night, um, and then a session of integration every morning. And I also worked with, uh, Bufo Alvarius and Campbell. And for me, the experience with Bufo still remains probably one of the most, Profound moments of my entire life, even to this day.
0: Before we get onto to those and how deep they were, you used the word there, integration, that I know a lot of people might not necessarily be familiar with. But it sounds mm. like it, Andy, that you didn't just go uh, get in a room with a bunch of people and neck some ayahuasca uh. and saw what happened. <laughs> so tell us about kind of what happened. You arrived and you were introduced to these people who were strangers at that point to you but you yeah. all obviously had something in common what went on then what was kind of the first step and the next step after that and after that again
1: ah uh, yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, completely so basically when we arrived there was this period of uh having like a one-to-one sit down with uh with the facilitator <clears throat> or one of the facilitators and um i remember uh that conversation really well. I can still picture it. And in what I was sharing, she was able to pick, like detect some certain things and presented me with like a couple of questions, you know, like, um, was there a certain feeling of guilt I had about something? And lo and behold, that was exactly the kind of topic that came up that night. So in the sense that like, even this kind of administration part was still this, still had this depth to it right.
2: um,
1: and then after everyone had seen this kind of one-to-one session uh, every night starts with a preparation which is a space well first of all to introduce ourselves but to get familiar with the environment with the, the setting with the other people and to really start to feel like okay wow this is happening something is moving how am I feeling Um, and then there is, of course, the session with the ayahuasca itself. So, no, it's certainly not about, uh, you know, in a way, ayahuasca isn't the focus of the retreat. It's just a, a tool that gets used. And then the next morning in the integration, it's this space to dive into, to explore, to integrate all that, has moved in the night not just for me not just for an individual but for the group also and yeah it's it's quite incredible what happens in integration because it's not about trying to analyze or trying to understand or you know something like this it's just an open space and what needs to come out what needs to be recognized what needs to be realized uh will will just happen naturally
0: it's very interesting that you say it will just happen because one of the words that always sticks in my head um having experienced integration after plant medicine is like the happening that's just something that rattles around my head after after Mm. a while it's not there's no kind of conscious thought process behind right i need to bring into this so-called five sense reality what i've discovered on this other plane It just happens once you allow it to. And that kind of reminds me a little bit about what happens then, I suppose, when you are engaged with the various plant medicines in that surrender is a huge part of it. You have to let things happen. So can you describe the process of like when, when you first, I mean, is there any trepidation when you first decide to do this and you think, okay, well, I've taken the the plants now or the medicine and hmm. um, what's going to happen. Is that scary or was it scary for you or mm. what, what did it feel like and what was mm. then the process? Like we'll talk about ayahuasca, I suppose, first, because that's the, that's the first one that you did.
1: Mm. Yeah. I mean, first of all, I just want to say, this is quite interesting that I'm speaking in this moment from like my own perspective, Four years ago, as opposed to the way i 'm normally talking about this, which is as someone who is now supporting someone else to sure to go through this, but um yeah, I mean, yeah, I remember this feeling of uh, of nervous excitement, you know uh it was definitely there, but I mean that's one of the amazing things about ayahuasca in particular, is that it is uh gentle, somehow it has a kind of knowing about it you know it's not gonna force something upon you and in a way like over the course of my my three nights it, it did go deeper each night and in a in a way that makes perfect sense in a way that felt gradual in a way that felt um respectful you could say even you know the first night it was um at the end of it you would you wouldn't be um It's not so surprising to hear someone say, okay, like, what really happened? Well, I suppose I was reflecting on this, and yeah, this thing came up, but it wasn't this, like, crazy, you know, experience that I've heard it it can be. And in a way, that's because if you just went straight to the intensity, it could be too much, and that doesn't support you, you know? Mm. It's about, like, slowly inviting the person to open up, bit by bit so that then what they receive what comes to them happens naturally as opposed to it being forced upon them somehow. And was the
0: experience revelatory for you or was it sudden realizations that you were then able to take with you um, in the coming weeks, months and potentially years or was it a more gentle journey of kind of inner learning and understanding? What, what, What did it feel like? After the fact, now, you know, as you can reflect on it with hindsight, what do you think went on in the three sessions, the first three evenings?
1: Hmm. Yeah, I would definitely describe it more like the second, as like a gentle thing. Um, Really, I see it as, now on reflection, as like a setting the stage. Because, um, as it turns out, in my case, I was to then go on to continue doing this, like, in a a very deep way. Um, That isn't the case for, for everyone. And in a way, there's somehow like a deeper intelligence that is aware of that, you could say. So it can happen that someone comes to a retreat, someone has these kinds of experiences and, you know, receives these grand revelations that transform their life because that's what they need in that moment um but in my case it was more just this confirmation this opening that okay i'm not crazy this isn't all in my head there is something profoundly real to all of this and i can't really say anything about it uh i just want to continue with it um so yeah i would describe it more like a a setting the stage um and giving me a taste of the possibility you know, um, it it is quite a a deep topic. No, but after my first retreat, I felt like I was living on cloud nine for like the whole summer. Um, but then I did have this period of now um, now uh, more of a challenging period. You know, things to go through, things to process. Uh, you can't just stay in that like blissful state all of the time because In a way, at least for me in that moment, in that period, there was no growth, you know. I was still, in a way, uh, going around a lot of the same loops. And so to come out of those can be uh, a little bit more confronting. Um,
0: Yeah, and I mean, you you quite often hear people say that um, ayahuasca in particular gives people what they need as opposed to what they want but in a way that the person can handle and take because I do know from speaking to a lot of friends there is huge fear around it and there is a, quite a bit of fear mongering I think especially in the mainstream media of late around plant medicine and again in particular ayahuasca and you know you're, you're going to die if you do it or you're going to go mad and you're going to jump out windows and all this kind of thing what would you say to people who might be interested but are just afraid and they're hearing all these stories and they're thinking yeah well I, I, I want some help and I want some insight and I want to experience these other realms potentially, but I'm just scared.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, what I would say is it's amazing that you're listening to this in this moment, because if fear was really dominating your life 100 uh, percent, the only information you'd be hearing is the the horror stories or the exaggerations or the, you know, what have you. But in this moment of your life, for some reason, you're listening to this guy who works with these plants and has been doing this for years to tell you there is nothing to be afraid of. Now, that doesn't mean that the experience isn't challenging or confronting, but um, anything that we're confronted by or that is challenging or difficult to go through with these medicines is not something that ayahuasca does to you it's something that it supports you to bring to the surface in order to release it. So put another way, you're living with that thing inside you right now. And so this is a chance to really liberate yourself from it. Um, And the fears that people have, uh, they range quite a lot, but one way you could look at it is you could say, okay, you know, the, the, the fears of like, oh, I'm afraid of going crazy or I'll jump out the window. They're quite easy to kind of, you know, point out that they're just not the case. I mean, those things just don't happen at our retreats. Um, But then you get into the more kind of subtle fears, like I'm afraid of facing myself. I'm afraid of losing control. I'm afraid of... Finding out that this thing that I think about myself, maybe I have an idea of what kind of person I am, and it's not that favorable. I'm afraid of like looking inside and finding out that that's true, you know. Mm. Um, But of course, this fear that prevents someone from looking inside is also preventing you from looking inside and finding what's actually there which is something beyond beyond all possibility to imagine. But in short, it's your divinity, your essence. And so it's never not going to be a leap of faith. And that's part of the quality of it. You can't research your way out of fear. The only thing to do is to connect with courage. And if the moment is right, then it will happen.
0: Again, as you speak, I can relate so much of what you're saying back to my experience as well, you know, because even though I'm sure our our stories are completely different, it almost feels like the paths are quite similar. And I think that's the case for a lot of people. So is it the case then, because it really sounds like it's speaking to you, that plant medicine is about somehow stripping away the scars, the masks, the layers of potential conformity that society has built up or that, that that we've created for ourselves throughout our lives and getting back to the life essence or the prana or whatever it is that fuels us and connects us with something much greater than ourselves beyond this kind of body that we inhabit at the moment.
1: Mm-hmm. Exactly. And the one thing I would add to that as well is it's like, um, even though your essence is somehow deeper than your body, deeper than the life that you live. It's really to bring that essence into your body, into the life that you live. You know, this is not about doing ayahuasca or what have you to, you know, get to another dimension where everything is beautiful and then, oh no, I have to come back to this place, right? It's about bringing that, with a realm that deeper dimension, however you want to conceptualize it into your actual life, because, you know, on the level of the body, for example, your body is your home. And so to, to inhabit that place with, with love, with self care, with gentleness, with uh, attentiveness. Um, but yes, there are many, many, many layers that we have. And, the roots of them and the way that they're built up and how they kind of interact with the world and with other people is a big, complicated entanglement. Um, but there is something much, much deeper than that, you know, which is your essence. And in a way, that's the thing. It's like sometimes the process is about going through and untangling these um <clears throat> these different messes and knots of conditioning and uh, identity and all of this kind of thing. Um, But it's sometimes easy to get lost in that, you know. It's like uh, another healing and another trauma and another shadow work and another this and another that when you're missing the fact that, like, there's also this deep, profound, divine love within you. And that is what heals, you know. So it's not just about stripping the layers back as such. It's more that they fall away the more you open yourself to what is there within you.
0: To come back to surrender a little bit, in your experience and having obviously worked with so many people in the intervening years, is it the case, do you think, Andy, that the more open people are to surrender, I suppose the more they put in, the more they will get get out of huh. the experience.
1: Uh, in, a, in one sense, yes, but it's exactly that, right? Uh, surrender isn't something that you put into as such. Mm. Um, so, you know, like I described earlier, like, you know, the preparation session. So in a way, this is a space to start to invite that kind of energy in, you know, one where a person can start to relax. And, you know, one way that might happen is with something with the body, right? Maybe you do like some kind of, you know, yoga or Qigong or something that connects someone with the body so that they're more in the physical rather than in the mental. That can support someone to connect more readily, for example. But, um, yeah, I guess... In that sense, that is, you know, surrender to the experience. But if someone is resisting, like this is an important point, you know, it's like it's not like you're resisting and you're doing something wrong. It's like, oh, just surrender. It's so easy. What are you doing? No, it's the fact that the resistance in that moment has a lot of power. And in a way, in that moment, the way of releasing it is to kind of experience it, you know? It's like on my first ever ayahuasca session, uh, I was feeling so much tension in my body, and I just felt like I was stretching for like four hours or something. In a way, that was releasing so much resistance, but I I needed to kind of go through it in that way. And so if someone had said to me, oh, just surrender in that moment, that wouldn't have meant anything. And so, you know, it is about slowly, slowly starting to experiment starting to like just test the waters of letting go of control you know bit by bit night by night step by step and that is uh you know what you could describe as i surrendered to ayahuasca i surrendered to my process um then to describe surrender in the deepest sense for a human being's life is a much much bigger topic um But certainly, the more that you can open yourself to this experience, the much deeper you will go.
0: So in a sense, you're working with the medicine to a degree. It's almost like a communion rather than um, surrender, I suppose. You know, you're actually working with it on the level that you're gradually building up understanding for. And it's definitely not an escape either by the sounds of it.
1: Oh, yeah, no. I mean, um, like... Maybe in this moment, a person doesn't feel ready to go into something. And so they can feel like uh, at the edges of the experience, this thing or this emotion is sort of hovering there. And that might be an invitation from that deeper part of them to explore it, to make sense of it, to release it. But in that moment, the person says, no, no, I can't do this. It's like, okay, no problem well good for you now you you can see very clearly that there is part of you that's in this moment unable or unwilling to go into that um and yes like you know ayahuasca it, it has this deeply profound intelligence within it um just like you do just like i do just like everything does um The whole of experience is is conscious, is intelligent. Um, But for some reason in the human being and in ayahuasca, when these two things go together, it produces um, a greater depth than either one of them does on their own. Um, So yes, to describe it as more of like a a communion is is nice. I remember once I, I read this thing, it was like, you know, You're not drinking a cup of ayahuasca. You're drinking a cup of yourself because you're just going to connect with you. Like I said before, it's not that ayahuasca brings something to you. It's just showing you what's there, the potential and also sometimes the limitations.
0: That's a great way of putting it. I haven't heard it described that way before because we spoke about fear earlier and people are so afraid of what they perceive as being potentially a hallucinogenic drug, you know, and lo- losing that control. But I mean, if you're being shown uh, something that you've you've already essentially created for yourself, albeit it may be buried under layers of whatever's going on for you, um, well, then that's a far less scary proposition. Um, mm. And something else that I know is quite scary. I was terrified of this the first time. Uh, the idea of purging. So you know, Uh potentially vomiting or whatever else it might be. How big a deal is that? And what is that process about? Because it's, I mean, I've discovered um, over the the several journeys that I've done and I haven't actually physically purged. um, Emotionally, absolutely, I have. But physically, I haven't. (laughs) But from speaking to other people who did, there's never any kind of regret. It's not like... You go out, you know, people go out for a load of drinks and they get sick and feel Mm -hmm. terrible. It's a totally different thing, isn't it? How would you describe it, Andy? What's that all about?
1: Yeah, completely. I mean, in a short, I would say it's a liberation. Uh, It's release. Um, I mean, first of all, like, um, it isn't as common as, you know, people might imagine, Mm. like you know the vomiting uh, which is what specifically people are referring to with purging although as you said there are many many ways to to purge or to release uh, but the vomiting is mostly associated with ayahuasca and there is some reason for that right it is more common with ayahuasca than it is with like you know something else like various, like one of these other medicines for example But it's not so all-encompassing that it's like, oh, if you drink ayahuasca, that's what's going to happen. The really important way of seeing it is it's not that ayahuasca makes you sick, right? It's that if there is something in you that's ready to be released, that's ready to come out, ayahuasca can support you with that to the point where you don't need to keep this thing in anymore, You certainly don't need to force it out either. That's where ayahuasca comes in to support you. But it's quite amazing, you know, like when you can see, and when you realize for yourself, it's like, okay, wow, this thing, say, for example, it's like an emotion. Let's just be, say, like, I'm holding on to some, like, resentment towards something. Okay. Well, then when it comes out, you're able to see, wow, okay, I was in a way holding on to that like i was going through my life walking around like unconsciously holding on to that like keeping that inside and all of the tension and discomfort that that was creating so in that sense to release that is a profound liberation um now again in like you said that could be an emotional release or it could be this this vomiting but like you said it it's not like uh getting sick from going out and having some drinks with some friends or what have you, it's, uh, it's more of an energetic release. Um, and it's quite a profound experience. And I remember really being struck by this at my first retreat to be in a room of people and you can hear like one or two or a couple of them who are getting sick. And then after that, the, the sounds of them getting sick are over immediately what follows it is thank you Mm. you know i was like wow that's interesting you know and then when it happened to me on my third night i was like okay i get it now (laughs) so yeah that
0: group experience fascinates me as well the interesting thing in my experience anyway is while you are gone under in a sense and you are somewhere else you're also in the room. There are almost waves and you come in and out of the room mm-hmm. and you, you can, I mean, if you need to go up, get up and go to the toilet, you can be helped to go up to the toilet. It's not that you're mm-hmm. stuck lying there incapacitated, you know. Um, and you're hearing all these other people going through different things around you. And it, it really for me did become a group experience. There were examples of people in, in discussion and integration afterwards who described sharing experiences with the plant or the mother plant or whatever way people want to describe it. It was almost like a shared hallucination for want of a better word. And then you're listening to other people who might be going through a trauma and purging a a trauma. And while some of the sounds can be animalistic in places, I I do remember one or two times thinking, well, this is crazy. This this must be what hell sounds like. But (laughs) there's nothing scary or bad about this. This is like people working through that to find heaven and that's just me trying to very badly articulate one one moment um, of the experience but it, it is when you have a group situation like that it's one of the reasons I think it is very important that there is kind of integration and that you do get to you know interact with the other people in the group prior to the sessions because it is quite a personal thing that then becomes shared and that's that was a hugely powerful experience for me would you find the same when you're working with groups
1: yeah completely um it's like you know uh one of the indications that we would give uh before a session would be like you know take advantage of the space you know like express yourself if something is coming to you Mm. uh it be it like uh crying or screaming or laughing or singing or dancing like whatever it is like Express yourself, you know? Um, and, of course, what might come up is a person thinks, oh, but what if I, like, disturb someone else? And that's where, like, this group phenomenon comes in, which is, again, something that has to be experienced. But to, to give some kind of explanation for it, it's like if something is coming from a deep part of you, it's not even coming, like, from you in a way. It's more like it's coming through you. And so you know, there can be these clear moments where someone lets out something like a purge or a scream or a laugh or something. And in a way, it's like it's like it's for the whole room, you know. And maybe that's what inspires someone else to then do the same in their own way. Or perhaps the other person can just be in resonance with what's happening. Now, that is like, you know, something that that happens and you can observe it and it's really quite amazing. Like you said, it is like a, like almost like a wave kind of moves through the room, you know, like a wave of uh, laughter or a wave of sadness or something. And it's just to, just to allow to flow with it, to surrender to it of course, if you try and fight that, that's where the struggle and the resistance and the discomfort is going to come in. But, um, you know, that's where the role of the facilitator is important because it's like, you know, the vast, vast majority of the time, these expressions are from that deeper place. They are from something beautiful. So, you know, even though you're listening to someone next to you cry or, or shout or what have you, it's not disturbing you. If anything, it's supporting you. It's taking you deeper into the experience. But as you might imagine, sometimes you know certain characters or certain uh, mechanisms get activated. Uh, there can be somehow interfering with the space, and so that would be one of the things to kind of intervene with and say, okay, no, hey, like let's come back. Let's respect the space. You know, um, you don't necessarily need to express something it's just if it feels like it needs to come out then absolutely take advantage of that because it's for all of us
0: and that is a very comforting thought as well for anybody maybe going in for the first time the thoughts that there are facilitators who have been there worn the t-shirt done that numerous times (laughs) and have a profound understanding and experience of what's going on and to have facilitators on board I think personally is absolutely essential I mean you do hear cases of people who work without them and I don't think that's something that I personally would do or necessarily recommend. So in terms of your role then as a facilitator, how do you view that versus say experiencing or being being part of the plant medicine experience? Because presumably it is an experience for you as a facilitator but also presumably you're not necessarily communing with the medicine itself. Your job is there as a role to help those that are or am I wide of the mark?
1: No, I mean, that's exactly it. Like when when I'm facilitating, um, I don't take the medicines. So I still work with ayahuasca. And I'll give you like one really nice and curious thing about the way that we work is that uh, when we receive the ayahuasca from South America to Madrid, uh, we have these monthly conventions in Madrid where people from all around Europe travel to. And we go there together to be together, to work, to share. And part of that is drinking ayahuasca. And then we take that same ayahuasca, that same batch, if you want, to the different retreats around Europe that we're doing. So, you know, I might be sharing some ayahuasca in in a retreat that only last week I myself was working with. So in a way, I'm like connected with the medicine. You know, I have a a sense of of the feeling of it. But in that particular moment in the retreat, in the session, I'm very much in a normal state of consciousness, if you want. Um, Now, that said, it is an experience, absolutely, because what is the role of a facilitator? Uh, The role of the facilitator is basically to allow whatever needs to happen to happen. And again, that's something that requires like a sensitivity, a receptivity, presence to see okay like how to support what's happening here a lot of the time it's just to allow it you know allow this person to let out what it is that they need to let out sometimes like i said it might require some kind of intervention but then another aspect of a facilitator is to share yourself you know and it's 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 tricky to kind of think about because it is not that the facilitator is at the center of the session. That is absolutely not what's happening. Um, But still, somehow, their presence is important. But as I sort of said before, it's not that something comes from the facilitator. It's more that it comes through them so if they're present if they're attentive suddenly something will come to them like an intuition you know maybe it's something really simple maybe it's like oh i want to put this song on or i want to play with this instrument or i feel like it's important for me to sit uh you know in this part of the room or i want to you know uh light some of this incense again where is that coming from um and if the facilitator has a certain level of experience then what they would say is that you know it's more like an intuition and they don't attach themselves to that you know it's a beautiful thing the next morning when people say to me ah Andy when you played that song or when you did this you know it really reached me it really supported me and I'm like you know ah that's amazing thank you for saying it's beautiful um but then if there's part of me that says, "Ah, yes, look at me, I did it so good," that would just, <laughs> you know, ruin everything, basically. Yeah. So it's it's to have this 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 interesting role where you're both deeply present and available at a moment's notice, but also step to the side and out of the way. Um, and how that happens, how someone. Becomes attuned to that is because they themselves have had a profound process. It's not something that you can be taught in any kind of traditional sense. Um, and the last thing I'll say on that is it's also just a pleasure to do, you know? It's like there was a time where, you know, entering into an ayahuasca session to receive ayahuasca was, yeah, exciting, but also a little bit daunting. And now that I can be there to share with others and you know to pick up the guitar and sing and it's just uh it's just a pleasure
0: yeah you describe music there like music is a very big part of the experience you know it's not just you're not sitting there in silence during these Mm. sessions there's a lot of other stuff going on and you are aware of sounds in the room you're aware of smells in the room you're aware of whatever else might be going on you know and that can kind of almost fuel or feed or gently guide the journey as well, in my experience,
1: would that be a commonality, Andy, in yours? Yeah, absolutely. Um, again, it's like, what, like so there's, there's these clear, distinct phases, you know, like it does take some time for the medicine to come in. And then toward the end of the session, it does kind of tail off more gently. But, uh, there is this middle period when it reaches its, you know, peaks. And so the music that gets played at these different periods in the session is somehow distinct. Um, but it's not just like having a preset playlist, you know, it's more like you have, you know, your playlists of music of, of certain phases or certain styles and then it's selecting from that which is the right one for this moment and again if if you're present if you're open if you're receptive you'll just kind of know what to play in that moment um and yeah from the perspective of the person in the the session who's taken the ayahuasca it's like you merge with the music you know this amazing thing happened last week right uh like this guy he he was in the retreat he did the ayahuasca and he was his first time and he was saying like wow the music was so rich it's like it was coming from inside me
2: you know yeah.
1: and he was like you know, I, I checked your speaker and it's just like such a tiny speaker, you know, um, like in, in Belgium, the they, they just had like, you know, like a portable Bluetooth speaker. Again, nothing to write home about, but this guy had taken ayahuasca. So he's experiencing it as this like profound, you know, concert hall or something. And, uh, then at the end of the retreat, he took a photo of the speaker so he could go and buy himself as though it had anything to do with that, you know, um, So, yeah, the music can guide you. But I also just wanted to say one other thing as well is that uh, sometimes the silence is important as well. Uh Uh-huh. You know, like you might have this period of like, uh, you know, a longer period of, let's just say an hour, for example, of different songs, different styles, and also different instruments accompanying that, like percussion, rackets, rattles, singing, chanting, whatever, you know. And it's going through these different motions and with different peaks and valleys and all of that. And then at the end of it, just like silence for like, you know, maybe it's a few minutes and you can just hear like the breathing of people, maybe then you can hear someone getting sick or what have you. And it's just like, it's letting all of that energy, all of that movement really sink in. And so sometimes that is a profoundly important part of it. Um,
0: Man, yeah. you're bringing me right back just as you describe it, it's amazing. Hmm. <laughs> and as somebody who works professionally in music, I can absolutely testify to that. I mean, I thought I knew music inside out, and I realized um, the first time I, I worked with plant medicine that I had never experienced music fully to any degree until sure. then. I mean, I, I could in some in some places see the music as well as as well as hear it and feel it at the same time. It was just this multi sensory synesthesia. You know, it was just mm. absolutely amazing. Um, mm. So, I know that that like you you work with many different types of plant medicine and we'll talk about a couple of the different different types in a minute, but before we get to that, I know there will be a lot of curious listeners right now um who might have had their interest piqued potentially. Uh so what can plant medicines help with? I mean, we've touched on potentially things like trauma, stuff like that, but like let's say I want to go in I I have something specific that is an issue in my life? Maybe it's physical pain or grief or a relationship breakup or something like that. Can plant medicines and the retreats that you do, can they be useful for something as specific as that? Or does it have to be a more esoteric kind of intention going in? I know it it can be
1: anything, like literally anything. Um, Because, let's see. I mean, it's going to show you where you are in your life in this moment. And maybe where you are in your life in this moment is something uh, more, I don't know, mundane in the sense of it's like, ah everyone has relationship problems. Everyone has work problems. Everyone has like, you know, social this and work that and money this and partner that, you know, but there is like such a a depth to you that, that you don't that you perhaps don't realize um so sometimes people are coming to the retreats with like a clear like yes there is this thing and I want to be free of it and then other times people are coming and it's like well I don't really know why I'm coming but I just feel like I have this calling this curiosity this openness to the experience and in a way those two things might on the surface look quite different but at the depths they're really the same it's just the the thing or things that have sparked this person in the direction of rediscovering who they are. Um, so that's the thing. It's like maybe I've gone through a particularly difficult period and that because that in the end brings me towards myself in a deeper way, there will come a moment where I can say thank you, thank you, for things going wrong which again might sound quite alien Mm -hmm. at the moment but uh truly like it it can happen um so yeah whether it's something more mundane or more simple or something more you know intense in the sense of it's like dealing with with some kind of specific trauma um ayahuasca this, this approach, these medicines can support with that. Because again, the most powerful thing that there is, is not the unconscious, is not this certain trauma, is not you know the difficult dynamics between partners and human beings. No, it's love. It's the essence. Mm. And if you connect with that, everything else, no matter how small or big it may seem, Uh, begins to dissolve again it's a process (laughs) but that's the direction that it goes in
0: and are there any people who plant medicines don't suit i mean i've heard for example Mm. certain antidepressants might not interact well so what's what's the story there i mean is there anybody who shouldn't consider going down this route
1: yeah, um it's to be sensible and conscious about it, right? So like when I'm speaking with people, say I'm having like a phone call with someone in a way that is like a, a process of seeing if it's the right moment for them. And very rarely do I have to say no to someone because it's more that the people who are ready resonate with it and the people who aren't don't. So it kind of fixes itself, you could say. Um But then if there are specific concerns that people have, like, for example, certain medications like antidepressants, um, it's just to communicate those to us. Uh, We have a doctor that works for the organization. She's wonderful. And she's a doctor of, you know, classical western traditional medicine like a gp you know but then also the shamanic medicine also eastern medicine so uh she has like this wide perspective of the human being and health and so it's like oh okay hey farah like this person is using this medication and has had this surgery and you know has this condition what do you recommend for this person? Well, I would say this, 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 and this, and not that, and a bit of this, and da-da-da. And then we can move forward from that place. What I would say uh, more generally, though, is that ayahuasca really doesn't have any contraindications. indications. Um, the only thing that changes is the level of dosage that you work with, Um So, if someone is taking strong, heavy antidepressants, yes, it would be important to work with a smaller dose and increase it over time if they're like responding okay. Um, But it wouldn't, they're not ruled out from the experience, certainly not.
0: And then, in terms of the different types of plant medicines and then the different types of retreats that you offer to get onto that side of things as well what are the different plant medicines and why are they different and how can like what kind of different effects will they have on people for example is ayahuasca good for one thing and maybe iboga is good for something else or what way does that work
1: yeah it's interesting it's like it's more like each of the medicines has more of like a focus or more of a tendency so what I was describing earlier with ayahuasca in the sense that it's gentle, in the sense that it's uh, it's kind of gradual in a way, um, maybe that's what a person needs in that moment. Or maybe in another moment, what a person needs is something a bit more direct, something to the point, you know, like the direct confrontation. And so another medicine like cambo, for example, has more of that energy um now to mention a bit about cambo cambo is a medicine that comes from a frog and it's um it's all about the body it's all about the organism it's all about the physical house that we live in which includes energy levels emotions that are somehow trapped perhaps physically um different ailments, uh, all of this kind of thing as you can relate to the body. And Cambo is about like coming back into alignment with your natural vitality because your body is a miracle. It knows how to be, it knows how to be healthy, it knows how to support itself. There are just these different layers and blockages that we have uh, that are kind of preventing it from functioning optimally. So Cambo is a way of like, releasing and letting go of those different things to come back into that that harmony with our body and yes the experience is a lot more direct um and it is more confronting it's not uh hallucinogenic or or however you want to say it like like ayahuasca would be it is more on a level of feeling of sensation of inhabiting the body um and perhaps what you're feeling in that sort of twenty, thirty minute period of Cambo is like, you know, the discomfort of what needs to be released and then the eventual release of it. Um, so Cambo can be quite intense but profoundly healing. Um, then something else like uh like a bolga, like you mentioned. Oof, I mean, a bulgur is just uh, extremely powerful in its possibilities. Um, if, you know, I, I wouldn't say it's the starting point, you know, for most people. Right. Um, but just to say a few words on it, uh, what it's about is really diving deeply into the unconscious, into the locked world. Boxes and rooms in the hidden recesses of the mind in order to confront and release and make peace with those different things that are hidden there. Now, as you can imagine, going through that process might be quite challenging. Yeah. And so, in a way, it's necessary to already have some kind of foundation, you know, to, to have that kind of experience because if someone who has, you know, certain experience, uh, has done a certain level of work in the process on themselves, you know, and they find out, oh, wow, I have this belief inside me that says I don't think I'm good enough in this way or what have you. Uh, they're going to know on some level that that's not the truth. That's just a belief that they have hidden in. But if you don't have that inner foundation and you're confronted by these different unconscious beliefs, you might in a way, get even more identified with them and they get screwed in. So, a boga is a super delicate process. Um, but again, if, if it makes sense in that moment that it can support someone, the possibilities with it are incredibly transformative because of the, the sheer power that it has. And you know, just to be like completely honest about it, uh, a boga is one of the medicines that I haven't actually worked with. Uh, I've done a period of microdosing with it, but I haven't had the full experience. And so, as a facilitator, I would not facilitate a boga, of course, because I'm not—I haven't had the experience myself, so it makes no sense to facilitate it. Sure. Um, but yeah, so that that might tell you something about it, you know, that I've been doing this process for over four years and to date I haven't had an experience with a boga. So I yeah.
0: know I've I've heard that recently it. it- can be used quite a lot uh, particularly for opiate addiction and addictions in general and Mm -hmm. I think there are quite a number of clinics springing up in different parts of the world but particularly Mexico that focus on ibogaine which I think may be the synthesized version or the active ingredient in Mm -hmm. iboga the plant. Um, Can you speak to that regarding addiction?
1: Yeah so I mean first of all uh, ibogaine is the active component of iboga but much like how DMT is the active component of the ayahuasca, DMT and ayahuasca are not the same. Yeah. And it's even more pronounced actually in the case of a where the, the plant or the bark from this tree it contains so much and you can look at that on like a molecular chemical level you can also look at it a kind of energetic you know uh of like the energy or the soul or the spirit of the plant or what have you um if you're just you know reducing it down to the active component in inverted commas you're kind of missing out on a lot of (laughs) what it has to offer no but then how it can support with addiction well yeah i mean look uh the greatest addiction that we have is to thinking is to the idea that we have of ourselves yeah uh, and then all addictions just spring up from that um so there's two levels to it one would be that level the deepest level confronting the idea that you have about yourself, not an idea that you have about yourself, but the idea that you have about yourself. Somehow you could describe a boga as going to the linchpin. You know, if you imagine like the structure of your uh, sense of self, your ego, if you want, as all tracing back to one single idea, uh, a boga would potentially allow you to confront that. Um, so you can imagine the the power but also the the need for a real like support around that no Um, but then also on the physical it really does reset the body you know I mean you know this is the thing with something like opiates or methadone or heroin or how do you the body has such like um, physical dependency upon these things um and somehow the process of a boga can support a person to really reset so that what might normally look like a, uh, you know, a several month withdrawal process potentially is something that's gone through in maybe a few days or a week. Um, Now that few days or a week might be extremely hellish, but um, you know, it's a way of coming out the other side of it. Now I do just want to preface everything that I've just said. Uh, none of these medicines are a miracle cure. Mm. Um, this is not a substitute for, uh, for a process of healing. This is something that can support that process of healing. And so it is something that, you know, requires a certain level of openness. It's not like, okay I want to continue living the same I just don't want to smoke cigarettes anymore <laughs> then that's the that Boger isn't going to support any of that yeah you know
0: regarding events then and Inner Mastery and what it is you guys do where you do it and what what is entailed therein what can you tell me about that because you're quite a, quite a wide ranging and geographically spread organisation you're all over the place yeah so predominantly
1: in Europe but also we have uh, some houses in Mexico and in South America. But yeah, predominantly in Europe. Uh, for example, I do the retreats in Ireland, in Wicklow. Uh, as I mentioned earlier, you know, we also do the retreats in Spain, in Scandinavia, in Germany, Switzerland, Belgium. Yeah, many, many places. Now, the main uh, retreat or the one that people are most familiar with is the inner evolution retreats. So whether it's in Ireland or Spain or Mexico or what have you, it has more or less the same format, the same approach. And that approach is a structure that supports and provides a space for people to have this deep encounter with themselves through the medicines, through the dynamics, through the integrations, through the other participants, through the music um, that they can experience over the course of several days, um, different spaces with different medicines. You know, there's ayahuasca each night, there's cambo shirt in the mornings if people want, there's also bufal various, and so forth and so on. And that every night, Every session of ayahuasca is bookended by a preparation session to really open and prepare the space to really connect with something to the point where you could have a preparation session, not drink ayahuasca, and somehow you could still, you know, connect with and realize many things. And then also an integration session, which is really the most profound space of the retreat, um, where by being present with others, and, you know, bringing your piece of the puzzle to the table, you could say, uh, a larger picture emerges for us to all see. Um, and, yeah, so these retreats, they go on for Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and then they close on Sunday. And this is the kind of, you know, the in-evolution retreat. This is what most people kind of become familiar with because they're like, hey, I would like to go to try and Go and try ayahuasca. And then they realise there's so much more to it. Now, as an organization, there is also many, many uh, uh, layers uh, or other or, or proposals that we have that can go much, much deeper. But uh, even just as a starting point, the, the inner evolution retreats we do uh, can really transform your life.
0: And look, I can testify to that myself. I mean, I've had some profound learning. While I haven't actually done a retreat with you guys yet, I have, uh, I've done several over the past few years and it's, it's just such a journey of inner learning and mastery is another word I would use and, but predominantly love because I don't know. I think, I think the way we use the word love in the English language is certainly not, not indicative of the way it would have been used in, the past you know many other languages have multiple different words for the different types of love but there is an all encompassing love which I think is the life force the energy the chi the prana whatever we want to call it um, that, that inner essence and my experience of plant medicine to date has put me in touch with that in a way that I had never experienced before and has kind of pushed me on to do different things and to experience things in a different way. And there have been some very profound changes externally in my life as a result of that, you know. Um, mm-hmm. But it, it it is really about the journey and I think... Surrender seems to be the key to it for me in my experience and from talking to you today, Andy, it seems to be a big part of it as well. And sometimes we just have to, as you say, face up to those fears, embrace them and then find what's on the other side for us because it's never as scary as we think. And as you said earlier, I think the biggest addiction of all is that we're addicted to our thoughts and we tend to believe our thoughts far too much. Mm. So it's, um, yeah, it's, it's it's a very profound thing. And you've just described things in such a wonderful way for me today. And I hope every everybody experiences the same. If somebody would like to take that step and to get in touch with you or maybe to find out more or... Um, have a discussion with somebody on, on 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 a personal level about what's right for them. How can they do so?
1: Yeah, so I imagine uh, you know in your podcast somewhere you can leave links or what have you? Yeah, absolutely. There can be a link to to the description. So the Irish website, for example, is EU slash ireland and there you can see uh, the calendar events that we have. And also there is a, a a part on the website there if you scroll down that says like contact Andy in this case um, and that will directly send me a message to my phone and then I will get back to you and I'm um, more than happy to, to speak with you about whatever it is that you would like to know. Uh, or if perhaps you don't live in Ireland or you live somewhere else you can go to just inamastery.eu and look at all the different retreats that we have over Europe and the world and there is a similar Andy (laughs) or someone uh, for each soul who can support you with whatever you need
0: Fantastic and before we let you go Andy and I'm very appreciative of your time and your expertise and your knowledge um, and your vibration indeed have you any kind of parting message for the listeners or anything you'd you'd like to get out there that you haven't so far
1: hmm. well the, there's two things no uh one would be um one of the other proposals that we have is uh it's called triangular music, so what it is is it's this combination of music uh visual a visual element video uh, imagery and then uh, a script of some kind like a, a topic uh, which uh, originally is voiced by uh, Alberto who's the founder of the organization who you know gives these workshops these chats these topics on many many different things and the uh, Creative team in the organization. They, you know, take excerpts of that, combine it with music and with imagery, and create this triangular music. And it's very, very profound and, yeah, truly amazing. But in Spanish. And so for the English, uh, for the English uh, versions of them, it's uh, it's my voice uh, that I'm doing, and it's something that I'm just falling in love with. And I'm sharing it at the retreats and you know, it's having such a profound impact on people. Um so somehow uh I guess you and I, John, we can speak uh after the podcast of like how you can maybe click that on somewhere at the end. Perhaps, well we we finish every sound. episode
0: with a piece of music, so we've stumbled across something that's absolutely okay. perfect.
1: <laughs> Amazing. Yeah, so I will I will send it to you uh Uh, afterwards, after I'm done talking. Uh, So that would be one thing. Um, uh, At the moment, I'm in a process of, you know, uh, translating or doing the the English versions of many of them. So it's going to be a couple of months before this is available uh, for access to people, uh, you know, to like this catalog of, of videos and productions. But it is coming, and it's something I'm profoundly excited about. Um, and then as far as a message or some parting words first of all again just thank you for, for the time and for the platform it's been a pleasure um, but yeah like I mean ultimately life is here to to be celebrated to be enjoyed and to Support you to remember that. And like John said at the beginning, no, like these signs and listening to them. Now, if you're listening to this kind of podcast, yeah, already you're a certain kind of person, though, but maybe in this moment, to see it not just as something that you are interested in or like listening to like me before I started all of this listening to yet another lecture by Terence McKenna you know as if I hadn't heard everything (laughs) he'd said already you know Um, but no really see it as a sign as like okay maybe it's the moment to see where this wants to take me because I'm listening to it for a reason and when that inner decision is made that openness life is going to find you and who knows where it can take you wise words indeed
0: i have the power you have the power we have the power andy brain it's been wonderful speaking to you on alchemy today thank you so much for joining me
2: thanks john take care alchemy. 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 love is not a feeling We are proposing the possibility to end with the reign of emotions. Love is lived as if it were a feeling, but in essence, it isn't. It's not possible to access love if we are trapped in the rain of emotions, of feelings. Love is not a feeling. It's lived as if it were a feeling, but in essence it isn't. It's a pure gaze towards absolutely everything that surrounds you. It's unconditionality. Our prison. motion. Before love, there's only darkness, numbness. Love does not belong to the world of feelings. Love is the experience that begins the awakening of consciousness. Love is also in the unconscious and in the deepest part of our unconscious is love. That deep part of the unconscious is what unites us with other human beings, with all of the stars and with all of existence. with other human beings, and with all of existence. which I'm sharing with you in the way that I can, that love is the beginning and the end. Love is everything, because it's what unites everything. we don't know what to do all of us are here we don't even know what's gonna happen because if you put yourself in the depths you will discover exactly this that love is the beginning and the end love is everything because it's what unites everything. I hope you've
0: enjoyed this episode of Alchemy if you would like to help keep us afloat and keep the shows flowing and coming as freely and regularly as possible you can donate through our website alchemyradio.net you'll find a donate button there and any help you can give us even if it is just the price of a cup of coffee it would be extremely and gratefully appreciated thank you so much until the next time I have the power you have the power we have the power Alchemy
2: care Alchemy Will intelligence Imagination Alchemy 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 Are you chunking?